Good morning, everyone. Um, as Barb mentioned, we've got two readings. The first is from Micah chapter 6. I'll be reading from verse 6. That's on page 659 if you've got one of the church Bibles. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The second reading is from Mark, chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. A, uh, a few years back, my wife and I went through a very brief phase of doing puzzles together. There's a picture um, of me in that phase up there on the kitchen table. We, we, this, in this phase, we successfully completed one and we thought that actually wasn't as painful as we thought it was going to be. So we gave another one a go but um, abandoned that because it had a ridiculous amount of blue sky that was all identical. And then the third puzzle, and the final puzzle that we attempted in this brief puzzle phase, it cured us of puzzles for about basically the last five years. We had it about three quarters done there on that table when a friend came to visit, and uh, this friend decided to sabotage our puzzle. What he did was took about five pieces and hid them around the house. And then as he left that night, he told us what he'd done. I couldn't believe it. I thought, what kind of monster does that to somebody? We never even found the pieces. I don't know what he did with them. It was really frustrating. And, and as you can see, I'm, I'm having problems trying to forgive him. There, there's something satisfying about a puzzle, about joining all the pieces together, bringing meaning and order out of the chaos. 
But there's something intensely frustrating about getting close to finishing a puzzle, but just not being able to get there. The other day I I visited a friend and for the first time since those days I actually attempted a puzzle with him again. He was working on this puzzle and and I sat down and had a bit of a a go of it. I managed to find the the exact puzzle online. But as I was doing it, I discovered that the, the picture on the box was actually slightly different to the puzzle itself. The picture was was bigger than what the puzzle was. So that was quite frustrating too, trying to find the edge pieces was different. Because as you know, if you've ever done a puzzle, the box is completely necessary to being able to figure out how to do it. If you've ever done a puzzle, you'll know just how reliant you are on the picture on the box. We took turns, my friend and I, passing it between us, trying to match up buildings and boats and clouds. And without that picture on the box, a puzzle isn't enjoyable at all, is it? It's actually more like torture. (laughs) Now, why am I talking about puzzles today? Well, our question today, why am I here? It's actually quite a bit like a puzzle when you stop and think about it. Life hands us a whole heap of puzzle pieces and, and we sense that our lives aren't completely random. We sense that there's a, there's a purpose to life. We can tell that, that things are, they really are supposed to fit together. But sometimes it can feel like we're trying to figure out life while missing the picture on the box. Or it can feel sometimes like we've, we've been handed the wrong picture on the box for the wrong puzzle, and sometimes it feels like trying to bring meaning and order out of the chaos is impossible when we don't even know what we're aiming for. And without a solid answer to this question, why am I here? Well, life is at best confusing, but sometimes it can feel like torture. It's no wonder really that this is one of the big questions that our friends have for God when we asked Back in term three, if you could ask God one thing, this is one of the big questions that people have for God. Uh, When I was at Mawson Lakes Uni a few years ago and we asked this question, it was the number one big question that uni students have for God. What's my purpose? What's my meaning? What's life really about? And even when we think we have the answer, the truth is for most of us that it doesn't actually take too much to make us question things all over again. Suddenly things in life shift, like there's an unexpected diagnosis or a redundancy or a relationship breakdown or something that we thought would would make us feel happy actually just ends up leaving us empty and we realize yet again that we're not at all sure where we're, what we should be doing, how we should fit all the pieces of life together. This question why am I here? It's, it's a deeply philosophical one, isn't it? And yet at the same time, it's an intensely practical one because it's so hard to live life unless we feel that we have meaning and purpose. And because of this, most common wisdom will actually tell you something like this. Most common wisdom in this area will say, it doesn't matter what your purpose or meaning is, it just matters that you have it. Have you heard those kind of messages before? Messages like, just find a sense of purpose, whether it's your work, 
or your family, sport, even your garden, even your pets. It doesn't really matter. Just any sense of purpose will do. Find it and run with it. Now, on the one sense, on the one hand, that kind of makes sense. But when you think about it, it's a bit like saying it doesn't matter what picture you have on the puzzle box. It just matters that you've got something to work towards. Now, that, that's only true if the goal is to stay busy. You know, if we all had our own puzzle here, each of us today, and some half had the right picture on the box and half had the wrong picture on the box, how many of us, if we were doing that puzzle, would feel focused and purposeful? Well, all of us would feel focused, even though some of us would be getting more and more frustrated as we go along. But is our purpose in life really just to be kept busy? Isn't it something more? Does it really not matter whether we do actually have real purpose in life or not? Is it really just enough to feel we have purpose? Now, Some people say, yeah, that's enough. It, it doesn't matter if you have any real purpose. It, it's enough just to feel we have purpose. So an atheist called um, Dick Gross, who was a, a mayor of St Kilda in Melbourne uh, a number of years ago, he wrote a book where he's attempting to explain that, that we don't need God to have meaning. And he says, if you consider our place from the big picture, our place in the universe, then this is what you find. He says, we are minute and dare one admit irrelevant bits of organic matter in an insignificant corner of a vast space. In the history of the universe, each of us has a humiliating lack of meaning or purpose. And he then goes on to say, so whilst our role in the universe and its creation does bear upon the answer to the question about human meaning, I would suggest that we don't use this as a frame of reference. Why does he suggest that? Well, as, as far as I can tell from what he writes... It's because it's not very nice to think about. And because it's not very nice, not very satisfying, Dick Gross goes on to talk about our meaning from a different frame of reference. Uh, he talks about it with reference to all of humanity. And he says, in relation to our race, we're just bags of genetic material on an earth overburdened with them. If we seek meaning in the context of our race, the biologists will tell us that we are slabs of meat and that meaning is largely derived from our ability to procreate similar slabs. Now, at this point, I don't agree with him at all, but I admire his honesty. I admire that to this point, he's, he's completely logically consistent. He's showing that if matter is all there is, then really, nothing really matters. He's showing it quite well. If matter is all there is, nothing really matters. The problem for him though, and, and everyone who thinks like this, quite a, quite a number of people really do think like this. The problem is that it's completely unlivable. And so for almost everyone who answers that life's got no ultimate meaning, no big picture purpose, they, they can't live consistently with their belief. And so they attempt to locate meaning in life elsewhere. And where Dick Gross wants to locate meaning in life is in our feeling of, of a sense of meaning 
And he rightly locates this sense, this feeling in relationships. That's the place where, he, where we sense purpose and meaning. Now, I actually agree where he ends up. But the problem is, for him, it's terribly inconsistent. You know, after staring down the barrel of, of his way of seeing the world and concluding life has got no real purpose, he then says, with reference to our families, we're a vital part of a small group of interdependent people, each one of whom is infused with preciousness, meaning and purpose. But do you see the problem? He's just made it horribly clear, no, we're not. We're not infused with meaning and purpose. Our family is only infused with whatever sense or or feeling of meaning and purpose that we can manage to muster. And if someone else doesn't see them that way, well, what grounds do we have to disagree with them? In and of themselves, according to him and this common way of thinking, they're really just irrelevant bits of organic matter, just bags of genetic material. Now, that's a very sad view of the world. And yet, if you dig down, it's actually what many people think. If matter is all there is, then if you're going to be consistent, that's where you've got to end up. And with this way of thinking, if we start to doubt our own personal sense of meaning, if we find the ground that we're standing on starting to sink beneath us, what solid ground for meaning can we actually escape to? None. The ground for meaning in this way of thinking is only ever as solid as you can imagine it to be. Now, on the surface, don't you reckon the idea of just choosing or creating your own meaning, it sounds liberating, doesn't it? Choose your own meaning. But in reality, at some point in life, it becomes crushing because it's not actually based on anything. And what happens when we find ourselves struggling to create our own meaning? What happens when we just can't piece ourselves together like we wish we could? To to try to give yourself meaning and significance is actually in the end a lonely and a difficult path and it ultimately won't get you where you want to go. And on top of that, it's also a strange fantasy that, that defies common sense. We sense we have meaning because we actually do. You know, I sense my daughter has meaning and it's not because of what I infuse in her. She has meaning apart from me, a far deeper meaning. The truth is that God has already answered this question for us. Why am I here? God gives us a rock solid foundation for meaning which you'll find is actually impossible to find anywhere else right across the bible time and time again god gives the answer as to why we are here let me show you just one place where we see it today back in the the book of micah which was read just before this is a book that's written a long long time ago about 2700 years ago and here god is speaking to a group of people his people, his people who've turned their back on his purpose, his meaning for their lives. They've completely turned their back on what he has in mind for them. And when things haven't worked out the way that they want in life, rather than coming back to his purpose, 
Instead, they accuse God of letting them down. And then, to get what they want out of life, they at first contemplate trying to appease God with ludicrous, ridiculous things that he's not interested in. Uh, Excessive offerings, even evil offerings that aren't at all what God says we're here for. God says these things are meaningless. What they need to do, he says, is simply come back to what life has always been about. Look at what God says through Micah. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Why are you here? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? Well, the Bible's summary answer here and and, and everywhere is relationships with responsibility. That's what it means to act justly, act fairly. That's about how we relate to others and and it's about taking responsibility. Love, mercy, kindness. Again, that's about relationships with responsibility. Walk humbly with your God. Now again, that's about relationships with responsibility. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, in one sense, life is about relationships. I'm guessing that's not really all that new to us. But in another sense, this is quite different to how most Australians think. Generally in Australia, we assume the answer to the question, why am I here? And the answer we assume is, we are here to be happy. We might not say it quite like that, but that's usually what guides the way that we try to piece our lives together, isn't it? We make our decisions according to what we think will invest in our overall happiness. And we make our sacrifices for what we think will invest in our long-term happiness or in the long-term happiness of our kids, perhaps. Why am I here? Well, our answer most of the time is to be as happy as I can be, all things considered. And, and it's like we choose the, the picture on the, on the puzzle box uh, that we're going to try and attempt to construct in our lives. We choose it according to what we think will make us most happy. And if that picture stops working, well, we, we choose another picture. You know, the 18-year-old stepping out of, of mum and dad's shadow for the first time as you're faced with answering the question, why am I here? And you're faced with answering that for yourself... What might you do? Well, you look for the picture that'll make you happy. The tribe to belong to or the the self-fulfillment, the self-discovery. Or the mother who's followed the narrative of having kids but finds at some point it hasn't quite given her the meaning that she was looking for. Or she might wonder what she needs to add to the picture to find that meaning. Or the 40-year-old facing midlife Looking back, yeah, some of you are already starting laughing. <laughs> How did you know? It's only a couple of months away. Everyone seems, well, a lot of men seem to have this experience. Anyway, they get to midlife, they think, where is time gone? What has it all meant so far? The second half doesn't look quite as bright and shiny as the first half. Is it just going to be a meaningless decline to the grave Some of you are laughing very knowingly. It's a worry. So what does this uh, theoretical 40-year-old do? 
Well, he throws in the old picture and he grabs the new one, you know, the one with the Harley Davidson on the front. And he thinks that will make him happy and then give him the meaning that he's looking for. You know, we can find ourselves looking for the next holiday, the next purchase, the next job, the next relationship, the next life milestone. Without God, why I'm here is forever found in the next thing that's just around the corner, isn't it? But what if all these things are just swapping one inadequate picture box for another? Are we really here to be happy? There's a controversial Canadian scholar called Jordan Peterson who doesn't think so. Uh, And he says, it's all very well to think the meaning of life is happiness, but what happens when you're unhappy? Happiness is a great side effect. When it comes, accept it gratefully. But it's fleeting and unpredictable. It's not something to aim at because it's not an aim. And if happiness is the purpose of life, what happens when you're unhappy? Then you're a failure and perhaps a suicidal failure. Happiness is like cotton candy, fairy floss. It's just not going to do the job. We think which picture on the puzzle box will make us most happy. But it's a flawed approach. We need to take a different approach. We need to ask which picture on the puzzle box is most clearly right. And the right one is the one that life's designer shows us time and time again in the Bible. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God says in, in lots and lots of different ways that we're here for relationships with responsibility. And these two things, they, they overlap, they can't be separated. We see this everywhere in the Bible. And yes, in one sense, we don't need the Bible to tell us that. In one sense, don't you reckon you can, you can just sense it from the puzzle pieces of life that are in front of us? We know family is important. We know friendship is important. We, we sense life isn't found in stuff or money or selfishness. We sense it's found in relationships with responsibility. We sense life is, is meaningful when we don't serve ourselves, but when we serve others, when we take responsibility to do good in the world, to, to act justly, to love mercy. When we see neighbors serving each other sacrificially in a crisis, like in the bushfires, we sense that this is getting pretty close to what life is all about. And this is my point. God's answer as to why we're here rings true of what we sense as we look at the pieces of the puzzle in front of us. But just because we sense it to be true doesn't mean that we know how to piece things together well on our own, at least not all the time, not in every situation. See, God, he doesn't just leave us with a vague sense of why we're here. God shows us what the joined up pieces of the puzzle look like. God paints a breathtaking picture of what life is all about and why we're here. And without God, we might have a vague sense of why we're here, but we will miss the point. In fact, we will miss the very first and biggest point of why we're here without God. See, life is all about relationships, but the foundational relationship that we exist for 
is relationship with God. I don't know if that's what comes to most people's mind when they think about why I'm here. A lot of people would think that relationships are pretty important part of that answer, but would most people think my primary reason for being here is to enjoy knowing God? I don't think so. But the most natural, essential, basic reason that this world exists is to enjoy knowing God. And until we know that purpose, we don't know our meaning in life. Now, if that sounds strange to us, why is that? Think about parents who have a baby. What's the primary reason that people want a baby? It's not to take care of them in their old age, is it? (laughs) It's not to have someone to load the dishwasher at night. They contribute to most of the mess anyway. It's not to live through them on the footy field, at least not initially. And, And it's not even so that that child can change the world. What's the primary reason? Relationship. You want to be a mum or a dad to a child. Don't you see it's the same with God? We're here. He has made you first and foremost to know Him, to be in relationship with Him. And if you haven't got a relationship with God, then you're missing life's purpose. God is a God on about relationships. First, we're made for relationship with Him. And second, for relationship with other people. And this is why when you look at the world, the best part of this life is relationships when they're going well. And what's the worst part? Well, when relationships end through death or breakdown. We're here for relationships, first with God, second with others. Our meaning and our purpose in life is caught up with them. And we're here to take responsibility in those relationships. The kind of actions of responsibility that build those relationships acting justly, fairly, loving mercy, loving kindness, and not simply by our standards, but we're here to live by God's standards. Now, suddenly, when you you hold the right picture on the box, all the pieces don't automatically come together, but you can see how they can come together and how they need to come together. You can see what needs to happen. There was a a university scholar called C.S. Lewis who had this experience He was an atheist, and to him, he could sense meaning in life's pieces, but he just couldn't see how they fit together until he met Jesus. And he he said about this experience, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Now, when we see Jesus, suddenly everything else makes sense. Suddenly we see how everything else fits together. But at the same time, if we see that, if we see why we're here, we'll also see that there's a problem. I mean, that passage in Micah is written to people who weren't acting justly, who weren't loving mercy, and who weren't walking humbly with their God. And sadly, when you read the Bible... That's actually the story from the first page right through, played out over and over again. And if there's 200 people here today, well, that's the same story played out 200 times over. The overwhelming truth is that what God requires of us, we each individually and together turn our back on. 
We try to do the puzzle, life's puzzle, without the picture on the box. We don't always act justly or love mercy. And we don't walk humbly with our God. And yet, God won't give up on us. For every one of our failings to act justly, well, God never treats us unfairly. For every time we're not merciful, every time we're callous, God answers us with mercy. And for every time we shun the very idea of walking with God, God never walks out on us. In fact, Jesus comes to us to walk with us, to call us back to our meaning in life. Think of Jesus. He always acts justly. He always loves mercy. He always walked humbly before God and before people, even though he is himself God. And yet, he dies unjustly, dies without mercy. He gives himself fully to us, even though it costs him his life. And why does he do it? Well, he does it to make a way that we can walk humbly with God again. He does it so that he can restore our relationship with God again, so that he can give us back life's meaning and purpose. If you like, Jesus is the picture on the puzzle box. If you want to know your meaning in life, Jesus is the answer. He's the way that you can walk humbly with God. He's the way that you can live out relationships with responsibility, the way that God always intended for you. Jesus himself once said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See that? Jesus calls us back to the kind of relationship and responsibility that's not burdensome, but that is liberating and meaningful. If you just coast through life exchanging puzzle box picture after puzzle box picture, looking for happiness, you'll never actually find it. C.S. Lewis, he also wrote, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Way back in the 5th century, a follower of Jesus called Augustine put it another way. He wrote, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Why are we here? We're here to walk with the God who made us, to know Jesus who died for us. True meaning in life is found in knowing Jesus and living out the joyful responsibility in our relationships that he gives us. We have real purpose, not just a sense or a feeling of purpose. And so, of course, Jesus says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come, find your purpose. Come walk with the one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Come to the one who gives you real reason for hope, real reason to believe in justice and mercy, real reason to think that death's not the end. Come to the one who infuses everyone and everything with real value, real meaning and real purpose. What's stopping you? You won't actually find real meaning on any other platform, any other basis or foundation. You'll only ever find it fully in Jesus. 
C.S. Lewis also wrote after that quote, atheism turns out to be too simple. If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. Do you see what he's saying? We have eyes because there's light. We sense meaning because there really is meaning. But only God can truly explain that. The pieces of the puzzle come together in Jesus when you know him. Will you walk with him? Let me pray. Father, our God, we thank you so much that you have made it clear what is good and what you require of us, what life is about, acting justly, but not just superficially, loving mercy, and not just independently, but as we walk humbly with you as our God. Father, we thank you that you are the God who wants to walk with us. Lord, help us to be people who want to walk with you. We thank you so much for Jesus that he shows us the meaning of life lived out and he calls us back to that meaning. Lord, help us not to exchange true happiness and glory for some lesser picture which will only dissatisfy us and leave us in pieces. Lord, help us to see that Jesus is the way that we need to piece together life. And we pray in his name. Amen.